You're listening to Seawolf Pod, the Seattle Seawolves Major League Rugby Podcast. Seawolf Pod should be on every night at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on YouTube, maybe live, available for download every morning, and always online at seawolfpod.com, bringing you only the latest coverage you need. Seawolf Pod is the only podcast dedicated to the Seattle Seawolves team in Major League Rugby, also known as MLR. Now, coming to you live, here's the show. Greetings, members and non-members of the Wolf Pod, Seattle Seawolves superfans. To join the Wolf Pod, simply do two things. First, turn on post notifications when you follow at SeawolfPod on Instagram. And second, enter your email at SeawolfPod.com for the first Seattle Seawolves supporters group. No spam. Welcome to Seawolf Pod, live from the Wolf Den, the Seattle Seawolves Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, a.k.a. One Man Wolf Pod, a.k.a. One Take Wonder, Raymond Torkelson. If you have any questions for the show, hop on Twitter and tweet me using hashtag SeawolfPod. Just me here today. Before I jump into my main topic, which is recapping our most recent win over Nola Gold, I want to address what I'm calling the principles behind SeawolfPod, and I think it's worth your time. Not just an earful of nonsense. Those principles are truth, passion, and respect. I'm here to try and offer you only information that is accurate, and to do so passionately, yet with the kind of respect with which I would want to be treated. Pretty fair, right? Recently, I've been on the receiving end of unprincipled actions from parties who assert themselves into the rugby community with that kind of behavior. Some folks, many months ago, I used to look up to. Although the rugby community welcomes all, which makes it especially unique, and I like this about it, it is also built on similar values to those I just mentioned. And I hope it is understood those are both the principles for which I stand and the principles to which I can be held accountable. I will not tolerate behavior to the contrary, and my social, imedi- my social media accounts will block anyone who interacts with them in such ways as I strive to associate Seawolf Pod only with those who stand for and exhibit the same qualities. The last thing I'll say here is, in the infancy of a high-quality U.S. domestic rugby competition and product, It is critical we create a winning culture, and such principles, values, etc. are paramount to doing so. So today, on Seawolf Pod, I bring you a recap of the Seattle Seawolves Major League Rugby match last weekend, which featured New Orleans Gold visiting Seattle on their home turf at Starfire Stadium for an evening of more electric footy and sports crowds atmosphere in the Pacific Northwest. The match full-time finished 55 Seattle, 26 NOLA, with the gold launching an end of first half slash start of second half run. The run basically occurred just as the Seawolves' number 14 right wing Brock Stoller was yellow carded and conceded a penalty try to the visiting team for dangerously entering a mall from the side in the eyes of head referee Chris Asmus. In my opinion, It's not surprising our defense lacked, not only when having 14 men on the field, 
but also in missing Stoller's presence in the aptly named Seawall, I guess our new nickname for the Seattle Seawall's defense, when Brock Stoller was sin-binned for 10 minutes. As of this episode, Stoller is listed as an outside center on the Seattle Seawall's website. That speaks to physicality, as true midfielders like Stoller are typically the best defense a backline will offer. He's 6'2", 210, 25 years old, and not to be messed with. If you haven't noticed, Brock, Mr. Stoller, brings a powerful running style of play, combined with a golden boot that can land kicks for goal on penalties from over 50 meters, or half the regulations, grounds length, in rugby union like is required in MLR, Major League Rugby. I was present at the post-match drink-up with both teams last weekend, as well as staff and some other guests. Unsurprisingly, even with 10 minutes off the pitch, NOLA awarded Staller man of the match. If you didn't know, it's rugby tradition for teams after the match to gather and name who they thought was the man of the match from the opposing side during the match. It won't happen every time, like was seen, unfortunately, from San Diego, who immediately left their match against Austin Elite Rugby, in which they were marched over by the Elite in Texas 31-5. That's a quick overview of the match, but to start off a more in-depth discussion, I want to bring you statistics. First, I'll start with the official MLR stats shared by at PJRugby9 on Twitter, whose name is Pete Steinberg. He's the ex-head coach for Team USA Eagles women's side and MLR commentator slash analyst, which he currently does. Pete, if you're listening, or if somebody wants to tell him, thank you so much for sharing these stats in such a digestible form and even offering some opinions on them. I think I speak for the MLR community when I say this work is doing a service for the game domestically. Hell, even abroad, as MLR is popular more than just stateside, I'm sure your content is heard or seen far and wide. First on this stat sheet that I'm uh, sharing, Seattle held only 45% of the possession, yet scored more than twice as much as New Orleans. Possession is the stat here, 45%. This means Seattle was quite efficient on offense, even having the ball less. Converting their time with the ball in hand to points comparatively, relatively more than New Orleans. I'll add my own opinion here that we still shot ourselves in the foot a few times that we visited NOLA's 22-meter line and within towards the try zone. Territory is the next stat. I still need some clarification on what this means from MLR's official stats, but I believe it's percentage of game time spent in the opposition's half, which perhaps could be fairly spoken of as one side controlled X percent of the territory battle. In this case, Seattle controlled a minority 43% of the territory battle against NOLA. This shows how Seattle doesn't need to control the territory battle and matches to come up victorious. I don't know if any team ever has needed that, but it's still impressive. Every team is different. Even without winning the territory stat, we were able to score twice as much and then some as the opposition, which is a testament to the efficiency of our offense, regardless of who is directing traffic at the number 10 fly half position, which usually does. Missed tackles is the next stat. Seattle missed five. Nola missed 13. 
for Seattle out of 125 total tackle attempts, they missed only five. That is exceptional. Out of 98 total tackle attempts, Nola missed 13 of them, which definitely hurt them. Seattle won three turnovers throughout the match. Nola won two. Only one of them was at the breakdown for Seattle, whereas all turnovers won for Nola were at the breakdown. That means Seattle might need to tighten up their support in the rock on offense for teammates being tackled. Maybe. It maybe means that. This is kind of really reading into the stats. Um, Lineouts won against throw was one for each side. I'll talk more about lineouts when I'm done with these official stats. I think the lost throw on Seattle was from Barkwell. Um, I'm pretty sure Shermer was being lifted, and it was thrown um, a little bit far left of where he was lifted. Intercepts, pass intercepts, one and one, tied for intercepts, Nola and Seattle. I believe for Seattle, Holder got the intercept. He is improving on both sides of the ball, but I think like all players, can keep improving. Next stat, both teams spent 14 minutes in the opposition's 22. We just ended up with more points than Nola by making the most of that time scoring. Tackles made. Next stat, 120 for Seattle and 85 for Nola. Again, our rate of made to lost tackles was impressive. Five missed tackles for Seattle out of 125 total. That's the seawall, ladies and gentlemen, and those beyond the binary. That's missing four in 100 tackles or having a miss rate of just 4%. For Nola, with how many tackles they missed out of, what, 98? It's a little tougher for them. Nola only had one more handling error, next stat, than Seattle with eight handling errors, whereas Seattle had seven. I guess we made up by scoring on possessions where we didn't have handling errors, whereas Nola's opportunities were being stopped probably by our insane tackling rate. Four line breaks, next stat, line breaks for Seattle, one Bernola. You can tell by the scoreline and tackle stats I mentioned, Nola just wasn't getting through Seattle's defense like they had hoped. Both sides conceded 11 penalties. I don't know if I'm the best perspective on whether this number is high, having only played in a level of USA Club Rugby where penalties happen left and right, but I think we always want to review where we had penalties and try to reduce before next match. I'll talk about this later, but official stats don't show where these penalties were, or at least not how they were shared with me. But that's fine, because I have that breakdown here in a minute. Now that's the end of official stats analysis. Of course, I want to offer up some of the commentary that Pete shared on these stats. He said, check out seawall stats. Never seen 120 tackles made and five tackles missed. Better than world class despite only having 45% of the possession, still had four line breaks. Will Holder at number 10 fly half was a difference maker. Attacking the line and passing flat got go forward all day. I agree with that. 
Other than the 10 minutes, here's more from Pete, other than the 10 minutes that Brock Stoller was in the sin bin, Seawolves were dominant. Nola Gold were the first team to really make a team pay for a yellow card. Also, note that Nola got a bonus point, which could be critical to make the playoffs. Still, defensive problems for Nola, although the percentage is not terrible, just not as good as Seawolves have good structure, but struggled to play with the pace needed to give their game breakers time and space. Too slow from the ruck. And that's it from Pete. Thanks, Pete. As for my own stats, I tracked for both teams some action under offense, defense, set piece, and penalties. For offense, I tracked scoring and 22-meter visits. On defense, I was tracking 22-meter stops and try saves. With the set piece, I'm tracking success winning the ball in scrums and lineouts. For penalties, I'm tracking who committed the penalty and what the infringement was. I have all this broken down by each half as well, and I'll take you through it slowly. I'll mention which half it occurred in if it's relevant. Let's begin. Offense. Scoring in this match. Overall, Seattle had six tries, all of which were converted by either Brock Stoller playing number 14 right wing position or Will Holder playing number 10 fly half. Stoller and number 15 fullback Matt Turner scored two tries, Stoller in the first five minutes and Turner won in the latter quarter of each half. Great performances from both of them. Though Turner blew it on defense, stopping the gold on one try. Credit to him, we were down a man. But you are the eyes on the outside that needs to communicate to shut or corner. And they were clearly shutting when this happened. Anyways, more on that a different time. Eric Duchel at number six blindside flanker started for the first time and scored in the first half at the 10 minute mark. Aladdin Shermer at number eight, which is just called eight man, big mean man, scored at 55 minute mark. And Trierweiler, our new hooker, filling in for Barkwell later in the game, had his, um, I think his first try, but had a try at the 68-minute mark. Congrats to all the scorers, Seattle. The four tries from Nola were Sullivan, a penalty try, Tongawea, and Bosca. The penalty try came from Staller, who entered the mall incorrectly, basically on the goal line. Nola only scored once in the second half with Bosca, and probably because of our 16th man, they missed one of their conversions. Both teams missed a penalty, but Stoller made one and Holder made one as well for Seattle. I heard from a friend, a certain redhead on the sidelines who's out on injury, might have brought on the wrong tee, which could have caused some kind of minor disruption in our kicking. Probably not an issue, just humorous humorous, and best wishes to him on his recovery. That said, he's recovering from concussion. So if this happened, maybe it's a symptom he's not ready to come back. And I care more about player health than player performance because there's still life after rugby, or at least there should be. Next offense stat, 22-meter visits. Seattle visited the opposition 22-meter on offense 15 times. NOLA only nine times. I think this stat really makes a difference. If you can't move the ball into the opposition 22, you can only score via long penalty or drop goal. And I doubt anyone is going to win a game on those types of scores alone. As for defense, my stats here weren't super telling, but let's get into them anyways. I tracked 22 meter stops and try saving 
try-saving tackles. For 22-meter stops, there were two from Seattle and one from NOLA. The reason you don't get tries from each side, the total amount of tries with my stats when you subtract 22-meter visits from opposition 22-meter stops is because of unforced errors on either side of the ball that can lead to turnovers and penalty points. That's a technical note, but to be known for those who are really paying attention on these stats. Um, And if you just want the simple translation here, Nola was bearing down on us in our 22 twice, and by sheer force of defensive will, we stopped them in both of those times. Nola only did it once. Um, As for try savers, so tackles that prevent a try from being scored, um, if they hadn't been made, a try would be scored, arguably, assuming no unforced errors. I didn't record any try saves happening. Um, If you saw any, tweet me. Use hashtag SeawolfPod. Let's talk about the set piece. Lineouts. Seattle had 12 lineouts and lost only one. NOLA had 12 and lost only one. Identical. That said, if I recall correctly, NOLA was always contesting our lineouts and we were not contesting theirs. Sometimes you don't contest the lineout for better position on defense, but I don't have the chops to say whether we were leaving them uncontested to gain better position. Again, let me know with hashtag SeawolfPod on Twitter if you think otherwise. Scrums? Seattle scrummed five times and won every single one except for one of them. Nola had six and, like Seattle, lost one. The one we lost was Khalifi, I think, pulling down the scrum. So, an error. This was just before the halftime break, so maybe fatigue was an issue. Um, I doubt it. Maybe he was trying something cheeky and it didn't work out. Maybe something just didn't go right. Go back and look for yourself, then tweet me using hashtag SeawolfPod. At any rate, hitting that one channel to Mac is working well. But we'll miss that action when he's playing with Canada in the June test series. I heard on Reddit, what a great place, um, he might just play against Scotland then come back to Seattle. But here I am being a back, changing the conversation when a scrum comes up. (laughs) All right, moving on. Penalties, 11 on each side. The only players I had down for more than one penalty with Seattle were Tolu Tau and Gordon. This isn't really directed at Tolu Tau, who has been tremendously impactful on both sides of the ball for us. But, I mean, you want your number seven like Tolu Tau to be always flirting with the edge of legal play to be a real nuisance at the breakdown. And in this match, his two penalties weren't for the same infraction, but... I don't want to see a penalty at the breakdown more than once a game, regardless of who commits it. It happens once, acknowledge what happened and fix it, or learn what the ref is looking for. If your team makes the same mistake a second time, having not learned from the previous one, maybe get off the field and learn in practice. Someone else might be working harder than you to not do that. Sometimes the refs get a call wrong and good coaches will see through that. But I don't even know how mid-match, let alone mid-half, decisions work with subs, given Mac is the coach on the pitch. I know he reviews the film, but in the match, it might be difficult to keep track of that. Um, I know Brandon Sparks, or at least I've heard, is his assistant, who did some stuff coaching and even with Atavis. Um, And there are other players on the team pitching in, making it a real team effort. But it's still a bit hard to wrap my head around. Um, 
what, you know, how that process works, recognizing, okay, we made the same mistake twice. Here's how we're going to fix it. Um, it's been really remarkable how well we're doing without a full-time head coach who can spend overtime coaching or not coaching, which could increase the quality of coaching. Whereas Mac has no choice but to multitask yet. What's so impressive is that hasn't taken away at all. I think from the quality of his coaching. Also, I heard someone say on Reddit, great place. Um, Rosalika is also leading the team. Things I hope that the leaders talk about. We were called off our feet twice in three minutes, first with Tolutau and second with Barkwell. Tolutau was again penalized for what somebody else did after him too. Gordon offsides in the second half. Both were offsides. Got to fix it before it happens the second time. Also, we entered the mall illegally twice with both Gordon and Stoller. Stoller, it's like, eh, you're back, but for a forward like Gordon, come on. So I've been pretty positive, but wanted to end on notes to improve. Why not improve discipline? It won't hurt us. Every infraction is giving the opposition an advantage, and not just in the sense of the technical term in rugby. It's one thing to make a mistake once, and it's another to do the same thing a second time. It should hurt enough to give the opposition the advantage that first time that you don't mess up a second time. If it doesn't, do you want to win badly enough? Of course, I'm liable to these sorts of mistakes in sports. I'm just not a professional, but I do expect the best from the pros, even if that means making a mistake here or there. Any more than that, fix it. Thanks so much for tuning in to my NOLA Gold at Seattle Seawolves recap. That is the end of home matches at Starfire, which has been a really special experience. If you're looking for the next pod, I'll upload MLR predictions I did with Paul from Driving Mall in New Zealand before the games this weekend. Thanks again for tuning in, WolfPod. You know the deal. Hunt together, pod alone, and go see wolves.